Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today we're going to talk about peacemakers. What are they? A peacemaker is one that takes the gospel of peace to the world. In other words, it is a witness. You are the peacemaker. That's what we'll be talking about from the Word of God today. Get your pens, get your paper. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome today to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. It's great to have you here today. If you want to open up to Matthew chapter 5, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to just read down through uh, verses 1 through 12 and talk about the Sermon on the Mount. But we're pulling one thing out of that found in verse 9, and that's blessed are the peacemakers. What is a peacemaker? Well, we'll just put it in perspective for you today. We have an offer that's going to teach you even more about it, and I know you're going to be blessed. In the meantime, hey, if this is your first time to join us, I know I've said this before, but you know what? First timers haven't heard it before. So come on in. Glad to have you here. Pull up a chair, do whatever you're going to do. Take some notes, grab a cup of coffee, because we are just going to be students of the Word today. We're going to sit around the Word of God and learn. And uh, so Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That's what we're going to do today. Once you become born again, learning the Word is the most important thing. If you have watched for some time, welcome back. If you this is your fourth or fifth time, again, welcome back. But for those of you that are longtime watchers, and have really grabbed hold of the message and really want the importance of the Word of God, not only in your life, but to see it spread into other people's lives. Thank you for becoming a partner with me. And you are a blessing. Couldn't do it without you. God gave you the calling. God gives me the power. But you produce the finances to help this come to pass. God doesn't rain down finances out of heaven. He rains down the new birth. He rains down the Holy Spirit. But he does not rain down money. That's given to us to give into the ministry freely. That's what God is asking for, of your will. And there's going to be a connection of the heart first. And from that connection of the heart, you go, you know what? I like this guy. He ministers like I like to hear it. So I want to support him. That's what I'm asking for. And then you can become a partner with me. Go to my website, bobyandian.com. There's a place there where you can become a partner. Looking forward, you joining with me in this great group of people that support me. Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 12 is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And these beatitudes he start with are really progressive. He's going to start with the progressive of the new of the new birth. That will be uh, verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Verse four is going to be blessed are those who mourn. That's the ones that now that you've been born again, you now have a comforter. And then verse five, the meek become teachable. That's the meek means to be teachable. Now you need to become teachable. And then you'll inherit the earth by the teachable person. Man, they can begin to inherit the wealth that's around them, understanding the importance of the word of God for spreading the gospel. Verse six, are blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is not righteousness of the new birth. That occurred back in the previous chapter or the previous verses. But in this case, it's for a growth in righteousness, a walk of righteousness. Verse seven, blessed are the merciful. These are those who begin to operate in mercy toward others. Verse eight, the pure in heart. And these are ones now that begin to walk in righteousness every day. And then verse nine are the peacemakers. What is a peacemaker? A peacemaker is another term for somebody who witnesses and brings the gospel of reconciliation, which the word reconciliation means peace. So a peacemaker is somebody who witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are all in progressive order. What I'm saying is God doesn't look for you to be a witness from the moment you get born again. It's all right to talk about Jesus, but the more that you are versed in the word of God, you can begin to answer questions. And this is often what overwhelms a new believer when they go to start spreading the gospel is they meet some religious person and suddenly get hit with some other viewpoint and they don't know what to do. But a person who's mature in the word of God, that's why he leaves it to verse 
verse nine, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. Verse 10 goes on to say, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Once you become a peacemaker, it doesn't make you a son of God. It lets it be known you're a son of God. And that's why it says they'll be called the sons of God. Probably a lot of other names that people will call you when you begin to witness. But one of them, it shows forth to people around you that you are now a full grown son of God, daughter of God, not a newborn, not somebody just floundering in their early ways of the new birth. No, you have now reached a point where you're outspoken about Jesus and that's when persecution comes. They shall be called the sons of God. And in verse 10, they'll be persecuted for righteousness sake, but understand this, yours is the kingdom of heaven. The people persecuting you are not part of the kingdom of heaven. Eternity will bear this out. Verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. They persecuted the prophets who were before you. In verse nine, again, we come to the word peacemaker. And the peacemaker again here is the ministry of reconciliation. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. You are a son of God from the moment that you become born again and a daughter of God. But the moment you start witnessing, it lets it be known. I'm not keeping this thing inside of me. What's been inside of me has now grown and now I'm ready to start spreading the gospel. Peacemakers bring the message of reconciliation. The word reconciliation means the bringing of peace. You know, we are called those who preach reconciliation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It simply says, that we preach the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The word reconciliation means to bring peace between two warring parties, to bring a peace to two sides who could not possibly get along or could not possibly come together. And the two sides of this is God on one side, fallen man on the other, Jesus Christ in between, who's bringing and bringing reconciliation. Now that he is left, we stand in his place and we preach the ministry of reconciliation. We become a peacemaker. Those who witness for the Lord and those who make converts, peacemakers are almost, almost last in this list of Beatitudes because again, witnessing is for the mature. Not that, again, a new convert can't witness, he can, but the real test of witnessing comes when you can endure the persecution, the questions that are given to you, launched at you, different religious viewpoints, and you can come out and answer with the word of God. So children don't have babies, adults have babies. It simply comes back to this again. God wants us to be mature in leading people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter five, I've been talking all around this. So let's go ahead and go to second Corinthians chapter five and talk about the ministry we have been given today. You could write over verses 17 through 21, just write right across it, peacemakers. That's what we have been called to do. The, the word of God teaches that the most important thing that people are looking for today is peace. Being justified by faith, we have peace. We march for peace. We demonstrate for peace. And this was the message. When Jesus was born into the earth, the angels announced peace on earth. It has come in the person of one person, Jesus Christ. It's come in one minister, Jesus Christ. But when he left, he now turned this ministry over to us. And this is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 through 21, if any man, any woman, any person be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. 
All things have become new and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and man. He, as it says in Job chapter nine, can lay one hand on God and one hand on man. Why can he do this? Because he is the God man. He is God wrapped in flesh. And once he took on a human body, he never will leave it. He'll have that body forever with the scars in the hand, the scars on the head, the hole in his side, the holes in his feet. He will have those forever. And this verse says, all things are of God or from God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and then given to us the ministry of reconciliation. I also want you to notice here that both names are given to him, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the name for his humanity and Christ is the title for his deity. He has always been Christ, but he took on human flesh and was called Jesus when he was born in the manger. This tells us again, he's the unique person that can satisfy the claims of God because he is Christ and he can satisfy the claims of man because he is Jesus, a human title attached to a divine title to let us know he is unique in this world. No one stands in his place. There's no one that has come. I don't care if it's Mohammed, Buddha, whoever you name, Joseph Smith. These guys are not God in the flesh. Jesus is the only one who's God in the flesh, the only one who can unite the two impossibilities together and bring mankind into relationship with God, fallen man into a relationship with perfect Christ, perfect God. And that's why, again, he's brought out. Verse 19, that is of God, who in Christ reconciled the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. There we are, peacemakers. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's place or in Christ's absence, be reconciled to God. For he, God, has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Key word that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It's still left to our will. He doesn't force us. We aren't born, born again. We are born fallen, but one day we literally die in Adam and become alive in Christ when we accept the work of Jesus on the cross. Jesus was a peacemaker, preaching the message of reconciliation. Reconciliation is the making of peace between two warring parties. Peace is our message, and it is the result of accepting Jesus. When we become born again, we accept his peace. His peace saturates up. Again, the world is marching for peace, demonstrating for peace. You know, it's interesting that the world wants peace, and they think peace is the lack of war. Oh, listen, no peace comes in our time between the time of the fall of Adam and the coming of Jesus Christ. No peace comes without, first of all, being fought for. It takes war to produce peace. And the peace we're living in right now, the fragile peace we're living in right now in the world was a result of World War II, the wars since then, the wars before then, and otherwise, I want you to know we will not have peace in this life until it comes through military victory. And even when Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, comes back to rule in peace forever on this earth, it's going to take the biggest battle ever fought, the Battle of Armageddon. And again, peace in this lifetime is a result of war. But people want peace without war. In other words, they just simply want everything to be calm and peaceful around them. And that's not what God came to bring, first of all. He didn't come to bring peace on earth first. He came to bring internal peace, personal peace between us and God. And the point of this is it's even better. 
The world can be falling apart around you and you have peace on the inside of you that cannot be taken away. You have a tranquility on the inside of you. You have a thing where you look at every day in peace knowing this. What if I was killed today? I'd be in heaven. I'd be better to be, you know, absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord, to live as Christ, but to die as gain. And so we live with that time of peace knowing our eternity is settled in front of us. Every day is taken care of by God. He has a plan for every day of our life and the path we walk on. This is the peace we have that the Bible says passes all understanding. You can't even with your brain comprehend this type of peace. It has to be spiritually discerned and some aspects of peace God's peace can be taught to us through the word of God. So peace is our message and it is the result of accepting Jesus. The, we, the peace we receive, we are now in a place to spread this peace. We are not the providers of peace. We have the message of peace. God is the one that provides the peace. Once people simply do what we ask them to do, receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we come back, we're gonna go to Ephesians chapter two, open up your Bibles there and prepare for it. Right now, we're going to halftime. Right now, we're going to the break and you'll find out how you can have a copy of this message and grow even more in the Word of God. I will see you right after the break. March the 7th through the 9th, I'm having my minister's conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Joseph Z will be joining me and I want you to join me too, no matter what phase of ministry you're involved in. March the 7th through the 9th. This extensive expository study is a thorough exploration of Jesus' teaching as the Bible recounts them in Matthew 5 through 8, what is traditionally referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. In this revealing sermon, Jesus begins his teaching with the Beatitudes and ends with the message of salvation. Inspire your faith and make these sermons come alive as Pastor Bob Yandian expounds on these timeless messages, including, You have all you need, the sins of the land, jots and tittles, rewards for motives, where is your treasure, overcoming a critical attitude, and roads and foundations for life. To order the Sermon on the Mount, visit bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on partnership. All right, welcome back. Again, 
Peace is our message and the result of accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In fact, the very first thing we receive when we get born again is peace. That's from our end. Now from God's end is the new birth. From God's end is the removal of sins. On our side is the removing of fear and the bringing in of peace that suddenly life is settled and eternity is settled. After that, we find out more. Honestly, to be honest with you, most everything that happens at the new birth is unseen and unfelt. It takes the rest of your Christian life to find out the things. In fact, one minister I'd read, and he still wasn't through yet, said, I still keep finding more. At that time, it found over 40 different things that happened to us at the moment, at the very second of the new birth that are unseen and unfelt. It's just boom, instantly these things are given to us, a place of the body of Christ, uh, the member of the bride of Christ, a member of the church, uh, you know, salvation, a new birth. I mean, all the different things, a, a priest in the kingdom of God, all these things are unseen and unfelt, but have to be learned about. So we, in essence, spend the rest of our Christian life, not only finding out how to witness to the world, but also finding out part of those things that happened to us when we received Jesus. And you know what? We probably won't even know a tenth of all the things that happened to us at the new birth till we get to heaven and God tells us all the things he gave to us. So peace is our message and the result of accepting Jesus. In Ephesians chapter two, the word of God takes and talks about just before we were saved and right after we were saved and that transition from one into the other. Look at verse 12. We're going to read verse 12 through 17. At that time, that's when you were a sinner, before you accepted Jesus, you were without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise. The commonwealth of Israel is the born again of Israel. A sinner in Israel is no different than a sinner that's, you know, a, a Gentile. And then strangers from the covenants of promise, all those covenants given in the Old Testament, the promises, we were on the outside of that, having no hope without God in the world. And now in Christ Jesus, you who are at one time afar off are brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. There's the mention of the word peace. Who has made both one and broken down the middle wall of partition between us. There are two petitions that God is talking about, two middle walls between us. One was between God and man, and the other is between man and man. God broke down the barrier between him and us, and then now we can begin to abolish the barriers between us and others. When we fight daily about the color of our skin, whether or not you're male or female, whether or not you're young or old, rich or poor, smart or dumb, I mean, all the different things we draw, lines between each other, those are all abolished by the work of Jesus on the cross and should be abolished in us the moment we were born again. And we need to start ministering past that barrier between people. Because if the barrier has been broken down between God and man through the work of Jesus Christ, it's also been broken down between races, nationalities, gender, color, economic backgrounds, places you were born, uh, rich, poor, all the different things with you, educated, uneducated, all these different things. God has simply said, nope, there is no difference. I have seen Jesus die for the sins of the entire world and let, forget your background, come as you are and accept Jesus Christ. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. The enmity means a barrier, a division, even the law of commandments contained in ordinance so to make in himself of two, that's you and me and him, me and God and you and man and you and God. He says to make one new man so making peace. There it is again, a peacemaker. And that he might reconcile both to God in one body by the cross, having slain the division or the enmity by it. Notice this, he came and gave reconciliation, the bringing of peace 
and now that's our message. From here we go to verse 17 now, and came and preached peace to you who were, what was Jesus' message? Peace, it's our message also, and came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. Those that were afar off are the Gentiles. Those that were close were the Jews and simply says here, now we have been given the same message Jesus Christ had, the ministry of reconciliation or the ministry of peace. And we, listen, all I can tell you about reconciliation is, is the announcing that the war is over. That's it. God now stands on the side of peace. We need to have peace with him. He made peace with us. We need to make peace with him. And from God's viewpoint and on God's side, this war is over. My mom, years ago, uh, she, when we, my sister and I were small, my mom uh, received Reader's Digest every month. And she would often stop and read a story to an interesting story to us when we were little. But I remember one story she told us is since uh, she and my dad came through World War II, uh, you know, the war was very important to them. In fact, they look back at a great transition time because of the war. And anyway, at the end of the war, of course, you know, we won because of the, of the uh, bombs that we dropped in Japan the nuclear bombs. But after that, America went looking for a small place as far away as possible to test nuclear weapons on. New types of bombs. They found a tiny little island so remote in the Pacific, and that's where they went, and they were going to go check it out. But when they got there, something interesting was this little island that was supposedly deserted, when this crew got there to start checking out the island, they were shot at. And they were shot and they, they thought, this is crazy. So they had to hide and all that. They called for help. Some people came in, some, some soldiers came in and they found two Japanese soldiers armed with rifles and stuff. And they, they brought them, they finally, they finally corralled them, brought them in, sat them down, had a Japanese interpreter to talk to them. And they found out these men had been there since World War II and they didn't know the war was over. In fact, Japan sent them to this island to protect it. And then, of course, Japan had the bomb dropped on them. They signed the unconditional surrender and, and peace came. And these men didn't know it. And when they were first told that, they were angry. They said, no, it's not. You're lying to us. You're Americans. You're lying to us. And they actually had to bring in film footage. They actually had to bring in pictures of their, of their uh, leader of Japan signing an unconditional surrender. And when they did that, they were humiliated because for years they had been fighting a war that was over. Does that sound like something? That's what this whole message is. If you're fighting God, you're fighting a war that ended 2,000 years ago. And now you just need to understand that God has brought peace and you need to accept his peace. These men could have fought, but they finally accepted the peace and understood, okay, peace has finally been procured. Here's the point. The world still is mad at God and they think God's mad at them, but God isn't. The anger of God was appeased by Jesus on the cross and it was totally eradicated. And when Jesus arose from the dead, God said, there will never have to be another sacrifice again. I'm no longer just temporarily appeased. I am eternally satisfied. And the first thing he gives us when we accept him as Lord and Savior is peace. The war is over. Faith in God is the only place we can have true peace in life. Here's something interesting. We often as Christians pray for peace and we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's a, but that's something as we pray for peace here. I'm talking about personal peace. Peace in your life cannot be prayed for or asked for. I know that it's gonna upset you for a moment until I explain it. I'm gonna say that again. Peace in your life cannot be prayed for or asked for. It's a result of doing something right. It's a result 
And when you do the right thing, faith uh, in Jesus or our living by scriptural obedience, peace becomes yours. In other words, the moment we get born again, the first thing that happens is we have peace. Peace is a result of our faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Then living by the scriptural obedience and principles found in the word of God, we also have peace. Peace can be passed on to others through one, making converts, number two, making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me bring you a verse of scripture on that. What do I mean by peace is a result of doing something right? Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace. Notice this, it doesn't say asking for peace. We receive justification and peace is a result. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I can't give you peace. I can preach about peace. The one who gives peace is God and you don't have to ask him for peace. By simply receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, being justified by simple faith, you will have peace with God just like I do. And the peace of God that comes to you, the Bible says, passes all understanding. You cannot even figure out this peace. It is so overwhelming that in the midst of controversy, in the midst of the world falling apart around you, in the midst of tests and trials, you can have a peace that the world doesn't have. You can walk into confusion and still have peace. Here's the other thing. God often uses peace to warn us of things. Because there's times I've walked into something that looked peaceful, yet the hair stood up on the back of my head and I suddenly had a twinge on the inside of me. Why? Something disturbed my peace. And what disturbed my peace is this is not of God. And that's been a way that I've been guided through my life. There's oftentimes though I've walked into very uh, weird situations. I mean, look like, what am I doing here? But yet on the inside, I had a peace that I understood something. I am in the middle of God's will. Ephesians 6.15 now tells us what a peacemaker is. It's one who witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what it says. Ephesians 6.15, it says, our feet are covered with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Here it is, reconciliation. What do we preach? Reconciliation. What does reconciliation mean? Peace between two warring parties. We come in and our main message is peace. Do you want peace? I'm talking about when you accept Jesus Christ, you're gonna have peace like you never had. And listen to me, it's what the world's been crying out for. They march for peace, have signs for peace, have symbols for peace. They talk about peace, they have peace conferences, but the point of it is you are trying to get something that God only has procured and God only can give. And it doesn't start with outward peace, it starts with inward peace. Jesus comes to live inside of you and we will not have world peace until the Prince of Peace comes back, fights a massive battle and on the other side of it, peace will be a result. Isaiah 52, seven tells us, notice which part of us are covered with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our feet are covered with the preparation of the gospel of peace because why? The feet take the gospel to people. And again, a peacemaker is someone who witnesses. Isaiah 52, seven, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good tidings. Good tidings is Hebrew for the gospel who publishes peace, there it is again, who brings good tidings of good and publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. A peacemaker realizes that peace has already been secured and procured by God, and that now by accepting him, we are at peace with God and we can become at peace with man. 
What is left is for a man to be at peace with God. God has done his part through the cross and does not hold man's sins or trespasses against him. We are to tell men around us and women around us that the war is over. Peace has been fought for by God and now it's a useless battle if you're fighting against God. God is not fighting back against you. Peace is secured and God has been reconciled to man. So God has been reconciled to you. Now you need to be reconciled to him. Peace with God can now bring peace between people. Man has tried to be at peace with God by being at peace with mankind first. No, Adam and Eve did this in the Garden of Eden. When they realized that they had sinned, they covered themselves with fig leaves. They covered themselves with tree leaves. And listen, that is a type of man trying his best to be at peace with God through his own works. So again, man has tried to be at peace with God by first of all, being at peace with mankind. If we just have peace with each other, God will accept us. No, you have to have peace with God first, and then you can have peace with mankind around you. Only through faith in Jesus Christ is a person justified before God. Then we can be justified with each other. Jesus is the source of all peace, first with God, and then with men and women around us. Glad you were with me today. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.